Welcome to the All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Jesse Hunt. Have you ever been in a time or a circumstance where you wondered if God was really with you or not? I remember one night as a hospital chaplain, this was before I was in the military, I got a page to come, uh, there had been a car accident and a, uh, a four-door car had run into the back of a transfer truck on the interstate close to the hospital. There were two people in the car, a husband and his wife. Uh, the husband was driving and he suffered a broken hand, his left hand, uh, and had some minor bumps and bruises, but was otherwise okay. Uh, his wife, on the other hand, was a very different story. Uh, you see, it was her side of the car that took the brunt of the collision. I went to her first. She wasn't able to speak to me at the time, and so I went to go speak with Dan. He was in another part of the hospital. It was around one in the morning when I met Dan, and the first thing uh, that stuck out to me was he was just completely distraught. He kept saying, this was my fault. This was my fault. They were on their way home back from vacation and were driving through the area, and he was always wanted to be and, and always was the nighttime driver. That's when he does best, and had just, had just dozed off and run into the back of the tractor trailer in front of them. If you've been in the hospital, you know the first thing that happens is all of his clothes are cut off, his glasses, his watch, his wallet, his cell phone, all of his valuables were taken from him and put in a safe in the hospital that he wouldn't have access to again until 7 that next morning. And as I met him and continued to talk with him, every person that came into his room wanting to check on his hand, wanting to check on how he was doing, he just pleaded with them, don't, don't spend time on me. Go help my wife. Go help my wife. It was around 2.30 in the morning when he was discharged from the hospital. So he and I walked up to the waiting room outside of where his wife was. Um, unfortunately, she did end up passing away several days later. But at this moment, we, we are up there and we're walking and we sit down. Dan, with everything about him cut off, uh, he has no clothes, he's in hospital gowns. Nothing about him was there. And I asked him, Dan, how can I pray for you? I had nothing else. I, all of my tricks as a chaplain had been exercised. There was nothing that was going to make this better. And so I just asked, Dan, how can I pray for you? And he said something to me. He said, Jesse, pray that God is here. Pray that God is here. Was God there? In the midst of that pain and in the midst of that tragedy, was God there? in that time. Every fact and circumstance about this situation causes a person to wonder, if God were here, then why are we going through this? And because of all that is happening in this situation, all that Dan knows and all that we would possibly know about God just a couple hours earlier has fallen by the wayside. God, are you here? Are you here? Moments like this are critical in the life of a believer. Critical in the life of the believer. Because it's these times of doubt that we're going to look at this morning and we're going to ask the question, is it possible in these moments for us to grow closer 
to God. To know more, yes, you are here. Our scripture today shows us a time when the Israelites are in a time of life and death. They are going through this same crisis. Remember with me, if you know the story, just two chapters ago, back in Exodus chapter 15, all the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. And they've turned around to see Mo, uh, Pharaoh's, Moses's, they turn around to see Pharaoh's army swept away by the power of God. A moment that is so joyful, if you remember, that Miriam and Moses just break into spontaneous song. God was there. And then a little later they cross and they go to a place where the water is too bitter to drink. And so, oh no, what will we do? And so God provides a way to turn the water sweet. God was there. And then everything's going well. They're mar marching around in the desert. And then all of a sudden they start to run low on food. So they start to grumble. And guess what? They remember back in Egypt, I had three hots and a cot. And all the water you could ever have back in Egypt. Because it was beside the Nile. And then God provides food, manna. And he provides quail. God was there. God was there. And all is well. Everything's going great so far, and then we come to our scripture today. It's not that the water here is bitter, it's that we've arrived at a place where there is no water, not a drop. Is God here? You and I can go for about three days without water, but our situation and theirs are completely different. Imagine with me, if you will, being there and carrying all of your family navigating your kids i can't even get them in the car to come to church can you imagine getting them through the desert all your kids all your livestock all your possessions going through the heat of the desert for days and days you don't know where you're going you don't know where you'll where you will stop because remember they're following the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night when that stops then we will stop You've gone for days and days, and all of a sudden, you're starting to get tired. All the laughter of the kids in, in the formation or in the company um, has now stopped. All the animals, they're not even making noises anymore because everyone and everything is tired and exhausted. Their lips are chapped and cracked. Everybody's eyes are squinted closed by the sand and the dust. And then all of the sudden you see that the cloud has stopped. We've made it. You're thinking to yourself. And so everybody, as soon as they catch up, they start doing what comes naturally when you're a nomadic people. You start making camp. Everybody goes to their immediate task. And what's the first task you do? Take the animals, the kids, and every carton you've got, every bottle you've got to the water source. Only to realize that it's not there. Is God here? How long would you make it if that were you? Can you feel the frustration of the Israelites? Can you feel it grow amongst them because, and maybe even the evil eyes staring across the camp at Moses? Can you feel that? Can you feel the anger? We are doing exactly what God told us to. We have followed the cloud. We have followed the pillar of fire. And now we are at a point where we are going to die. Is this what we get? Is God here? Is God here? Sure, we can talk about Pharaoh 
we can talk about his army, we can talk about the waters parting, we can talk about quail, and we can talk about manna, and we can talk about bitter water turned sweet, but now, in this next day, if we do not get water, we are dead. And this is where we see God's people doubt. This is where we see God's people question their relationship with God. Is God even here? Is God, what is his presence with us? Is his love what we want? (laughs) Because if this is love, it doesn't feel that great. Is God here? And we see that doubt surface in our scripture today in a couple different ways. The first thing you see is they become very, very distracted. In verse 2, we see that the Israelites' thirst for water is the primary thing on their mind. They go to Moses, buckets in hand, kids coughing because of the sand and all that kind of stuff, and they say, what? Give us water. Back a couple chapters ago, they were at least a little nicer about it. They go to Moses in chapter 15, and they say, hey, the water's bitter. Moses, what are we going to do? But not here. Now it's, give me water. Give me, give me, give me. Give me what we need. They're distracted. They don't even mention God. There's no prayer. There's no, let's sit down and ask God for this. No, Moses, give it to me now. The second thing we see with them is they start to distrust their relationship with God. In verse 3, they say, why did you bring us out of Egypt just to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Where was this in the fine print of God's plan, Moses? We've walked across the dry ground. They've seen Pharaoh's army drown. They're eating manna every morning and the quail. And they're following the cloud. And everything seems to be going right because God's presence is everywhere around them. You can't go anywhere without seeing that God has got them through to this point. But because their doubt has risen and sank deep within their souls, they they are no longer sure if this God's plan thing is what we even want to be a part of. They've gone all this way, and now God is going to let me die. At least back in Egypt, I would have been properly buried, right? There I would have a gravestone, but here we're going to be wiped off the face of existence. The sand dunes are going to eat us up, and nobody will ever even know we existed. They distrust God's plan. And also, the third thing we see is they become angry. Moses is feeling a little insecure. He goes to God and says, hey, there's a lot of rocks out here in the wilderness. And they're starting to pick them up. You see, the people, their anger has risen to a point of, okay, fine. If God is not going to take care of me and my family, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to take matters into my own hand. We're going to stone Moses. And then we're just going to hopefully turn around. And whoever can hopefully make it back to the last point where we were at, maybe even into Egypt. If God won't take care of us, then we will do it ourselves. Is this us? Have you ever been there? Aren't there times when your life and my life can be so difficult that it seems like God is not present at all? Nobody struggles when we're in the shade. Nobody struggles when we're around the 12 springs of water and we have all the food and we have all the fun and we have everything we need. But oh, when the struggles come. Oh, when they come. And those struggles maybe even don't go away immediately. Maybe the struggles even get worse. Aren't we just like them? Don't we get distracted 
by everything that's going on around us and we even forget to pray and I'm just going after the next thing, my zero fives and 25s, whatever target pops up, that's the one I'm addressing. Forget all the big stuff. I've got to deal with me and mine right now. We may even get to the place where we lose trust of God's plan for our lives. Because if I had known this is what we were going to be going through, if I had known that this is where God would be sending me and having to work on these issues and this stuff going on in my life, I don't know that I would have signed up for it. Have you been there? Is God there in the midst of that? Don't we in times end up asking the question that this scripture ends with, God, are you with us or are you not? If you've been there, then you are in good company. The Israelites are right in the midst of this in our scripture today. And yes, you've read the scripture, you know that everyone ends up getting water. Yay for them. Good story. We also see how it happens. We know that Moses is told, hey Moses, get some people around you. Well, God is essentially saying, get back in front to your spot where I've got you. Lead the people, get some elders, people whose lives are, are, or their, their journey with the Lord is strong, people who are still chasing after the Lord, even in hard times, and then go out there and watch what I can do. We know that that's what God tells Moses. Essentially, God's telling Moses, don't get distracted by this. Get back up front and get it done. And those two things are very important. Don't get bogged down with the distractions and surround yourself with people whose walks are close to God. That's important. And to be honest with you, as your pastor speaking to you this morning, I have really fought the urge to tell you that in hard times, that's all we need. Let's do the one, two. Don't get distracted. Find godly people around you. Find a stick and start smacking a rock and God is going to give you water every time. Brothers and sisters, that is not our gospel. That is not our God. I want to tell you that, that he is more than just someone who gives us what we think we want at the time. God's presence does not equal easy. God's presence does not equal what I want or what you want. Why not? It's because you and I don't know what good is. You and I don't know what it means to be in the kingdom. We're working on it. But we struggle. We talked in Sunday school about what it means to be a sinner. Man, that's me. I know that. Because I want what's good for me. Forget about you. I want what's good for my family. Forget about your family. At the end of the day, we don't know what good really means. That is not our God. And that is not our gospel. Remember, we're just a couple, away, a couple chapters away from Mount Sinai. What happens at Mount Sinai? That's where Moses goes up and he receives the Ten Commandments. And if anybody, remember, if somebody touches that mountain, what happens to them? They're dead. So is God present there? Yes. Is that a good thing? If you touch that mountain and you die? Probably not. Remember with me that yes, God is there and it's times where we really struggle with that concept today. Because I want to think that God's presence equals easy. God's presence equals good times. But that's not our gospel. Remember in Mark chapter 14, verse 35, this is what Paul says. I'm sorry, I said Mark. In Mark 14, 35, that's where Jesus says, he prays, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. 
everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but your will be done. You see, he's praying before he's crucified. Asking God, this is not where I want to be. Take this from me. Is God present there with Jesus in the garden? Yes. Yes. And remember the multiple times that Jesus tells the disciples, hey, if you're my disciple, everything's going to go great. You're going to be awesome. Everywhere you go, people are going to be welcoming you and life will be easy. I hope not because it's not in there. What is in there is Jesus in Matthew 24, 9. He tells them, you're going to be handed over to the authorities and persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by how many nations? All of them. Because of who? Because of Christ. Is God there? Go with me back to Brother Dan in the hospital. When he told me, he said, pray that God is here. This was not, I knew this was not the right time for a theological debate. This was not the right time for a lesson and so I just prayed, Lord, please be here and help us see you. And those hours from roughly, let's say, 3 o'clock until 7 o'clock the next morning, again, he doesn't know anybody in the area. He couldn't tell me even the city he was in because they were just driving through. Nobody to contact, no one to talk to, no resources. When we got his phone at 7 out of the safe, it was hot, almost too hot to hold because somebody, somehow, somebody had heard about the accident and they were starting to ping him, call after call after call after call, that it was getting hot. This eight, more than 800-bed hospital had to post his information on the call center wall because they kept getting so many calls that even as they went from shift to shift, they had to keep updating them. They had to keep sending calls to his way. They even gave him his own private area in the waiting room because there were so many people that were coming to see him, coming to give support for him. Again, I told you, his wife, unfortunately, she did end up passing away. And I remember that as he left the hospital, he looked at me and he just said, Jesse, had God not been here, I could not have done this. If God hadn't gotten me through, is what he really said, if God had not gotten me through this, I would have never made it. I could not have made it this far without God's help. Did Dan face terrible circumstances yeah nobody wants to be there nobody do you think dan went through times where he was distracted by everything that was going on of sure of course do you think there were even times that he started to question started to distrust of if this god is so great and this god is so good then how is this i'm sure he did I bet there were even times that he was angry of, God, if this is what your plan for my life is, then I want to sign on with somebody else. I'm sure he went through times like that. But Dan remembered something, and he showed me something. You see, Jesus makes a promise. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I know for a fact that as this promise goes on in our lives and as the struggles you face and as the struggle I face continue to come, it's never going to get done. But as these, as these struggles continue to come, we have a God that says it will be worth it. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And it will be worth it, not just pie in the sky when I die, 
No, no, that's great and all, but what about now, God? He says, now it will be worth it. For you, it will be worth it now. That's what Paul is hinting at in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Remember, he's asking God, hey, all I've got is this one struggle, this one thing in my life, this thorn in my flesh, that God, if you will take that out, I'll be great. I'll be the perfect Christian, Jesus. And this is what he said. Paul says, three times I asked the Lord to take it from me, but he said to me, nope, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast more gladly in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. And then he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Family, the struggles we face, the terrible times, they can point us towards God. When we are in times and circumstances that nobody wants, right there can be a place for the rest of our lives that we can point to and we can say, if God had not gotten me through that, I would not be here today. Today we're going to take part in Lord's, the Lord's Supper. The Israelites got their water. They had Moses. They had a stick. They had the rock. They had the elders. They had everything they needed. Uh, we don't. And praise the Lord, we don't need it, do we? Because we have a Savior who has died for us. The Savior who has suffered for us and who has set a table for us to eat and remember his sacrifice. What more could God do to remind us that he's with us? What more could God do to remind us that he is active in our lives right now? Today, some of us have bought into the lie, and I'll be the first to confess that I've been right there with you. Sometimes we buy into the lie that God's presence and his blessings means that everything's easy and good. The smooth PCS where nothing gets broken. Oh man, how cool would that be? The things that we can do when we have the promotions, when we have the help, when we have all of the money that we need, then God must be present with us. That is not gospel, friends. That is not gospel. Perhaps there's some of us today who things are so tough in your life right now, you find yourself a bit distracted. Distracted from God. Distracted by all the things that are chirping at us, yelling at us. You do this, do this, do this. My kids are hungry. My kids are thirsty. We've got to have water. And we become so distracted that we're just looking for the next thing that can get us. Coming with my bucket in my hand, give me water, give me water, give me water. Perhaps there are some of us who are really doubting, really, really doubting God's plan. You've forgotten that God is bigger than HRC. You've forgotten that God is bigger than your commander. God is bigger than the difficult missions and the stuff that I'm going through at home. It's bigger than my finances. He is bigger than all of those things. And perhaps there's maybe even some of us who are here today and you're a little bit angry. Life has been beating you up. And you've been doing this God thing for a while, but it doesn't seem to be paying off. Maybe you feel like you're about to die in the desert. You are so thirsty for what you need and you don't think God hears you that you're ready to take up some stones you're ready to do what needs to be done and you can take your life into your own hands 
perhaps that's not you at all. Perhaps there's some of us here the morning, this morning that are close with God. You've got it. You're, you're feeling like things are going pretty well. You've got this Christian thing figured out pretty good. And now is a time where you've got some water sources around you. Amen to that. Maybe we need you to step up and be elders to those people who are around us who are getting beat up day in and day out. We feel like we're going to die, and we need some elders to remind us to just stand around us like they did Moses and walk us back out to where God is and say, hey, what is God calling you to do? Remind them God is here. Show them God is here because we get so distracted and so blinded, it is hard for us to see it sometimes. As I mentioned earlier, we're getting ready to participate in communion. Let's remember that it is because God is here, God has come to us through communion to be a symbol for us that we can have life. And as we go to this table, I ask that we spend just a few moments in prayer. Perhaps you know exactly what you need to be praying for, or perhaps life is so rough on you right now, you're taking hits on so many different sides, you don't even know, you don't even know what to pray for. This might be a good time to pray. God, be here. Show me what you're doing. God, be here. Show me what you're doing. I invite you to bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you have come and you have shown us that you have sacrificed yourself for us. As we move into this time, God, we may not know what we need. God, I ask you to be here. Show us what you're doing. Remind us what you're doing. And continue to point us to yourself. In your name we pray. Amen. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.